Today's scripture comes from book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 1 through 15. Um, please follow in your bulletins, or sorry, in your phones or on uh, screen above. <clears throat> now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. But when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins that people had committed in, in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the, the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and the sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. But when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. This is word of God. Hello. Hello, Hackensack 1030. Oh, sorry. Uh, my name is Christine, uh, and I am a intern pastor. Uh, my year is almost up, but I'm here for another year. Yay! <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, so welcome, newcomers. If there are any newcomers here, uh, welcome. Uh, it's nice to see you. And I think there's a there are a few newcomers, right? Because it's Christmas season, and during the season, more people come. I hope so. So I will be saying hi to no one. So hi. Um, yeah, so let's jump right in. 
Uh, right now, we are starting the Advent series. The Advent series, uh, we had Pastor Key and Pastor Won Jae speak in the Advent series, and I'm the last one during the series before Christmas um, to speak. So the first week, Pastor Key talked about um, the incarnations and its implications, and Pastor Won Jae talked about repentance, a way of uh, repenting and um, in the Advent season. And to describe it a little, what we wanted to do in general was focus on the theme of restoration, right? So how did the coming of Christ, um, of baby Jesus, open a door to restoration? And that's what we want to focus on today. Uh, so let us pray first. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We pray for your truth to shed light on wherever you want to within us. God, help us understand with uh, not just our heads today, but with, but with our hearts. Uh, prepare our hearts, God, for the message that you have given us, and let it serve as a reminder, a reminder of who you are and who uh, we are in you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love Christmas season, right? Uh, these Christmas lights are so pretty. The ones at Edgewater, they're colorful. I, I kind of don't like them. Um, but uh, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas music. I know Pastor Josh talked before about Christmas music and how it's disrespectful to listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. But I started listening to Christmas music in July uh, because that's how much I love Christmas. Uh, I love uh, Christmas trees. Um, if we could show the first picture. If you watch Stranger Things, um, and I hope you have because it's a good show, um, there's this scene where the, the, that lady, she puts writings on the wall. She decorates it with Christmas lights as a way of her son speaking to her or something like that. Just watch it if you want. Um, but in, in my house, we reenacted this scene. Uh, if you can show the next picture. This is my Christmas tree back home. Uh, we already have presents under there, and we have... Um, yeah, we, we've been taking pictures under it, and I think it's better than the tree in Rockefeller Center, no? I think so. So I love Christmas. The season is just very joyful, and um, it's very warm, even if the weather is cold. So in this season, uh, it's not just the Christmas season, but it's also called the cuffing season. Have you heard of cuffing season? So cuffing season is a time during the fall and the winter, during this cold, when the, the weather starts getting colder and colder, and the colder it gets, the less single you want to be, right? So and in cuffing season, you see new relationships budding. You see new relationships on Facebook. There are more cute pictures to like of um, cute couples, and their engagement, and people at this time, they just want to get cuffed, right? But it's also during the cuffing season when people start to get depressed. Okay, according to my research, depression rates spike up during this time. Uh, let me read it. It says depression may occur at any time of the year, but the stress and anxiety during the months of November and December may cause even those who are usually content to experience loneliness and a lack of fulfillment. Okay, and this time, even though there's a lot of joy, even though there's a lot of holiday cheer, um, there's, there's a time where we experience more loneliness and a more 
lack of fulfillment. And my question is, why? Why do we have this longing to be in a relationship? Why do we have this longing to be with someone near the fireplace and cuddle and drink hot chocolate and everything like that? Why do we even feel the feelings of loneliness and emptiness? And what research says is that it's because of the cold weather and prolonged indoor activity uh, that we want to be in the warmth of another person But I I don't think that's the real root reason. I think the real reason is because we are made to want more. right? We are made, formed, and wired that way. We are made to love, to be loved, and we are made to be intimate creatures. So with this, I want to take us back to Genesis 1 and 2, the creation story. You know, from the beginning, we see how we are made, right? We are made out of love as God breathes into life, um, in life into man. And he takes a step back and he says, that's very good, right? We see that we are made out of love. We also see in the book of Psalms that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made out of love. In Genesis 2.18, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. So not only do we see that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we are made out of love, but we also see that we are also not made to be or do things alone. So there are a bunch of dating apps right now, like Coffee Meets Bagel, Tinder, eHarmony, uh, stuff like that. And uh, you see people just going on that, and there's a new wave of more people on the apps. And the reason for that is because people are always searching for love. Right? I, have a, I have a couple of friends back home who's been single for a while, and they're on that coffee meets bagel, and they're going on dates, and we're like following next to them secretly and getting tables next to them just so to make sure their dates aren't creeps. Right? And we should do that. Um, and they're hoping to find the man or woman um, of their dreams so they could get cuffed this season. We are made to long for this kind of relationship, this kind of intimacy. We are made to be intimate creatures. And I don't think that this doesn't have to be a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship, like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife relationship. Um, I think this speaks to everyone, whether you're single or not. I I got cuffed last year and this month. And after being single for so long, you would think because you have someone next to you that you wouldn't feel the emptiness and the loneliness, but you do. Right? How you deal with that is a whole different story. But even when you're in a romantic relationship, uh, there are times where you feel that emptiness and the loneliness and the longing, the longing for more. And I know that even though I'm not married, that it, it's like that for married couples because I talked to one of the pastors who will, rename, um, who will remain unnamed. And he or she's married obviously, kind of, and he or she said, of course you do. Even when you're married, of course you still feel that emptiness and that longingness. And loneliness, sorry. So at this very moment, whether you're in a relationship or not, uh, it doesn't matter. If you're feeling lonely or alone, Jesus wants to speak into that today. 
If you're feeling unwanted or unloved, Jesus wants to speak into that today. Because we are made to be loved and to love. And the question again would be why? Right? Why um, we're made this way, we're made to be intimate creatures, but why do we have this gap? Why can't we just feel the love all the time? Why are, is there a gap and why do we feel that emptiness and that loneliness, right? Why do we long for more love? And as the pastors were talking about it on Friday, we discussed the, the sermon on Fridays during the meeting. Um, and as we were talking about it, it came down to people long in general because they once had it before, right? You, why, if you never had or experienced something before, you wouldn't long for it. You know, for example, growing up, uh, I grew up in an apartment where heat was always given, Right, heat was always given. We didn't have to worry about turning it on to turn, not turning it on to save money um, or anything like that. Heat was just always given excessively during the winter, right? But now I live in school housing where we do have to pay for our own bills now, and I'm an adult now, so I have to pay for my own bills and I have to pay for heating. So we don't turn on the heat and we just bundle up in our clothes. And I'm like, literally every night I'm dying on my bed. I'm like, oh gosh, this is so cold. And my body is so used to getting that heat that I long and long for more heat. And when it comes to longing for love, um, it is because we, as humanity, collectively, already know, we already know, our nature already knows what it feels like to be completely saturated in love and be in true intimacy with who? Not other people, but with the Father. Right? In the beginning, our hearts were full because we were created as creatures to be in that kind of relationship and, um, with God. And he was and is always able to satisfy. But what happened? Why do we have this gap? Because Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and that was the end. What really happened at the fall was that we experienced a spiritual death that separated us from that perfect love. We had become unclean. You see, our story of brokenness started at the fall. That emptiness and our loneliness came with that brokenness because we weren't connected to the Father in that way after humanity sinned. Charles Spurgeon, also known as the Prince of Preachers, has a good quote. He says, if we could show it, he says, um, he says, as the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. When humanity sinned in the beginning, it affected all of humanity. Sin has affected all of us. And we long for that intimacy because we once had that connection with God. Our nature longs for more intimacy because our nature knows, our nature knows what it feels like to be fully, fully in the love of the Father. And we long and long for that kind of love because the fall had caused separation and it has affected all of humanity and our nature. 
Our passage today shows us the extent of separation and how unclean we actually are and were after the fall. Right? I, I'm an Old Testament junkie. I, I love the Old Testament. I love reading the, book, the Old Testament books in its original language. Uh, and I love studying it. I have more to learn. Um, but I know this for sure back in the Old Testament from our passage today, that separation between man and God was very clear. Okay, our passage refers back to the books of the law, um, like Exodus and Leviticus, where there were strict laws on how to properly worship God and how to properly ask for forgiveness and be forgiven because of that separation. Okay, and because humanity was so unclean in the books of the law, God provides for humanity a step-by-step process, a step-by-step process of how to approach him, and be saved. Um, We won't go through the step-by-step process, uh, but if you do take the time to reach each and every part of the components that were required to come to God, um, you'll see that it's very elaborate and it's very uh, detail-oriented, which shows that God wanted to be reunited with us, but because He is so holy and we were so unclean, there needed to be a specific way and there needed to be specific people um, to approach Him without dying. Like literally, we were so unclean that in His presence we would die if we didn't have this step-by-step process. So let me take you back. You know, if we look in the book of Leviticus... The central teaching of God was consecrate yourselves and be holy, for I am holy. God's chosen people, the Israelites, were taught to constantly make themselves clean and holy or they couldn't be in a communion with God. And literally everything was unclean, like everything. Even holy and clean things can become unclean. Right? So there had to be a ritual washing and there had to be animal sacrifices. There was a step-by-step process uh, to be, so we could be clean or sanctified in the eyes of the Father. Can we show the next picture? The one before? Yes. So after the separation, the presence of God was represented with places and things. Okay, this, follow me here. This, this tent that you see in the picture is called the tent of meeting, as we have read in our passage. And it was where the Ark of the Covenant or the tabernacle, um, which carried the Ten Commandments, the gold jar of manna, and Aaron's rod was placed. Okay, that's what was in the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the portable tent and the Ark moved was where God's presence was going and where he moved. So this ark represented his presence, right? This raised problems because people started trusting in the object more than God himself. But that just shows uh, the powerful representation of God's presence in the tabernacle. And um, if we go back to today's passage, Hebrew 9, 1 to 10, it speaks specifically of the day of atonement. Okay, so this day is what we're going to concentrate on today. And that's where... That's when you would, um, can we keep the picture up, please? Thank you. And so you would approach um, this place on this day. The Day of Atonement is the holiest day for the Israelites. Okay, it was like the day of salvation and occurred only once a day every year. 
once a day. And in this day, there was sacrifice and there was atonement for multiple sins for the whole nation. And it was a day, one day, where all the sins were forgiven. Right? It was a day where God's relationship with his people was restored. And that's only one day. So let's, let's imagine. I want us to imagine um, if you see that gate and if you see that man outside the gate, we're going to imagine that we are that man outside the gate of that courtyard right now. Okay, so you're the man, so let's walk in the courtyard through the gate, right? And the first thing you see is a brazen altar, right? And on that brazen altar, um, it's for animal sacrifice. So in your hand, you see you have an animal, that you're going to sacrifice. And ritual says that you have to place your hand on the animal um, so your sins will be transferred. So you place your hand on the animal and you confess your sins. right? And so you're, you pick it up and you're about to take it to the altar. But a man comes up to you and he says, you're done here. We can take it from here. So you're like, okay. And you just stand back. And you watch this man take the animal and he kills it. And he takes the blood out. Okay, he takes the blood out and he places it on the fire in the altar. And you're watching this burn. At first it smells like barbecue, right? It smells like barbecue, but it's burning and it's burning. It's a whole burnt offering and it turns into black, black smoke. And it reeks in your nose. But to God, it's a pleasing aroma because it's your sins that you have transferred that is being sacrificed and lifted up to him. And you're just watching this man do it for you. But you think after the sacrifice, you think you're forgiven, but you're not forgiven yet. You have to go into that tent, right? But you're not allowed in that tent. You watch that man clean his hands in that bowl in front of the tent, um, and he's cleaning his hands and his feet with water because you have to be clean before you enter the tent and you watch him go in. And that's it. You're done. Now, that man that went in the tent was the priest. Can we t- uh, show the next picture? The only people that can enter the tent are the priests, right? So as you see in the picture, in the tent, there are two rooms. The outer room, as we see in our Hebrews passage, the outer room was called the holy place. That's where the priests went to do regular rituals. And the most inner room, the smaller room, was the most holy place, Okay, this is where the tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant was. And these two rooms were separated by the curtain, as you see in the picture. This most holy place was isolated, and this is where God resided. Okay? The most holy place was so holy that even regular priests can't go there in there, but only the high priest. So uh, if you think about it in modern terms, it's like only ordained pastors can go in there. There's only one high priest that can go in there. And what that high priest would do, um, and we see in, what that priest would do is that they would take the blood of the sacrificed animals and they would sprinkle that blood on the lid of the ark, and, which is called the mercy seat. And that's how sins were forgiven. I hope that was simple enough. I, I hope that was simple. So for the Israelites in Old Testament times, all of that entailed restoration of intimate fellowship with God. But even the high priest was human and sinful. 
the high priest also had specific rules, so they had to be clean enough to go into the most holy place. If you look in Leviticus 16, we see Aaron as that one high priest, and he had to go through so many steps so he can be clean himself to go into the most holy place. And you could read about it more in the book of Leviticus. This was also a process that had to be done every year, every year. People kept failing. People kept sinning. The blood of mere animals and sinful mediators was not enough. It had to be done every year. And it was just one day, the Day of Atonement. Verse 10 of our passage called the rituals and the system external because it didn't change the person from within. People kept sinning. People kept failing. There needed to be something more powerful. Now, when I think about Christmas, yes, I think about the celebration of the birth of Christ. And I'm so thankful that he was born. And yes, I love my Christmas tree. right? But I also can't help but think about the cross. No, baby Jesus isn't baby Jesus without the cross. He came for the cross because humanity was in need of a sinless, innocent high priest to make a way for us to enter the most holy place too. So Jesus came down, as we see in our passage today, Jesus came down as the perfect high priest, that one high priest, and entered the most holy place for us, not through animal blood, but through his spotless, perfect blood. Blood that is powerful enough to wash away all sins so that we can enter the most holy place with confidence. Verse 12 says, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Eternal redemption for who? For us. And, that's the, and what the best part is, it wasn't just for Israel, right? It, it was for us. Jesus' blood is for me and for you. We are part of the family now. We are part of God's chosen people. And it was Jesus who made that way as the high priest. We also don't need a yearly day of atonement because we're forgiven every day. The sacrifice of the lamb the most high lamb, the lamb of God, was enough. His blood was enough. He became that animal sacrifice for us on that brazen altar. It was once and for all. Do you see what the coming of Christ did? He opened up a path to full restoration of intimacy with the Father. Every feeling of emptiness, every feeling of loneliness can now be fulfilled with that love because of Jesus. He had made a way into the Father's heart. So whenever you feel lonely or whenever you feel empty, I urge you, go to Jesus. He's the only one that provided that way, that way to deep and full love. People cannot fulfill that emptiness and that loneliness. And I say that with confidence. People can't. It has to be Jesus and Jesus only. Because he had made that way.
And it is because of Jesus that now we can boldly approach the presence of God as blameless sons and daughters. It is because of Jesus that we are able to enter into the most holy place, the presence of God. In fact, we are invited in and we are welcomed because that curtain that separated the inner room from the outer room was torn. It was torn when Jesus died on that cross. So it's not only the high priest that can go into the most holy place, but it's also us. We can go in there and we can ask for forgiveness. And our sins are forgiven. Jesus made a way. It is because of Jesus that God can look down on us proudly, proudly and say, this is my creation and it's very good. It is because of Jesus that we can live forever as forgiven people. And all he says is come, come as you are. You know, people make fun of me a lot because my first message was about what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? But my message today is you don't have to do a thing. Jesus just says, come as you are. Because you are forgiven. It was finished on the cross. Church, I don't know what to say, but to say that Jesus and only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is a simple gospel. And honestly, this is the best Christmas gift that I can give you, that anyone can give you, which is Jesus, the good news. The good news that we can enter into the presence of God and we are welcome because of Jesus. He has made that way. So can we respond? Let us respond. Um... Can we stand right now so we could go straight into the response of praise? So let us rise. And we will, we're just, let's just thank Him and let's just praise Him for what He has done. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us has been trying harder and harder um, this year, maybe to even win the love of the Father. But I want to tell you that it's already won. You've already won the Father's heart. So let's, let us just come as we are, respond to the great love of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, as, and His work on the cross. Can we thank Him? Can we thank Him right now? Can we just praise Him? There came to us a man, in very nature God. Pierced for our iniquities as you hung upon the cross. A God exalted you to the highest place and gave to you the right to bear the name above all names. But at the name of Jesus we should bow. Every tongue confess that you are Lord. And when you come in glory for the world to see, we will sing Hail to the King. And all. Splendor and majesty.
humanity was in need of a savior and you fulfilled that. We thank you for being that perfect, spotless savior and for being someone that we can just trust to be always perfect, to always be our savior. Thank you, God. And as we await um, your birth, uh, let us just reflect on why you came, how you came, who you came as. Put it in our hearts this week, God, as we celebrate your birth next week, Christmas. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.